Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. I am Craig, your host. It is a weekend edition, and uh, over here we've got Megan laughing her head off. Megan, what? I can't stop. (laughs) So this is going to be an interesting episode because it literally is just the two of us. We have never done this before. No. In any capacity, not just for the podcast. I don't think we've ever just been in a room without the other guys. That's probably true. Or Stephanie. We're doing okay so far. Yeah, I mean, so far, no, nobody's, <laughs> nobody's Don't put money a on punch. it, peeps. Uh, all right, so today we're doing something different, everybody. We are going to play, we're going we're gonna to spin the wheel. We haven't named the wheel yet. I'm hoping to name it before I have to actually post this episode. Uh, but for now, it's not named. It's just the wheel, okay? And what we've done is we've gathered uh, suggestions, topic suggestions from Discord. So lots of people have chimed in. If you are not part of our Discord community and you would like to be a part of that, then you can tweet at me, you can send me a Facebook message or an email, uh, any of those methods, and you can get an invite to the Discord community. That's fine. But anyway, we've got a bunch of suggestions, and I told them these are going to be quick-fire topics, so nothing that we need to spend a ton of time on, but what would you like us to talk about? I have picked eight of those. At random, right, Megan? Yes. Totally at random. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to spin the wheel. And whichever topic we land on uh, is what we'll talk about for a maximum of seven minutes. Oh, okay. And so that's our hard out. If we we feel like we've exhausted the topic and it's only four minutes in, that's fine. We can move on to the next one. (laughs) Uh, But seven minutes is our hard out. Okay? Okay. That's that's the rule today. And so the topics range all over fandom, you know, fantasy and sci-fi literature and other things, maybe stuff about us, stuff about books, stuff about movies, stuff mm-hmm. about being a fan, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So you ready to talk about some stuff, Megan? Yes. All How right. are we timing this? Um, I've got my phone. Oh, okay. And I will be using that. And so... Okay, because I got a fancy new Fitbit, but I haven't used the timer on it yet. So this may not be the best yeah, time to now's try not, that. Now's not the time to test. Fine. Okay, we, we're already testing the wheel. The That's wheel true. of something. So, all right. Are you, uh, well, you know what? Before we spin the wheel, maybe we'll talk about, we'll just list off what the topics are. Okay. The potential topics. So do you want to uh, run through, Megan, the topics that we're going to talk about today? Yes. Or uh, potentially talk about. Okay. Ones that we could. So we don't get through these. I don't want to finish that sentence. Okay. So the first one is separating art from the artist. The second is fantasy speed dating. Uh, give a 30 to 60 second description of a book to try uh, okay. to convince people to read it. Yes. Which I feel like that's my everyday. Um, number three is favorite jobs. And I don't know. It doesn't say anything more specific than that. I think that's that like, just our favorite jobs from our oh, past. Yeah. Okay. Or or we could pick a fictional job like Hagrid the <gasps> Gamekeeper or something. You know, like a job that we would want to do. I love that idea too. Okay. okay. Um, so that's number three. Number four is overused tropes and stereotypes and examples of them done well and poorly. Uh, Favorite antagonists. Number six is when you aren't reading science fiction or fantasy, what do you read? History, biographies, romance, yada, yada. Uh, Number seven, the differences between audiobook listening and book reading. Ooh, that'd be a good one. I know, right? And then the last one is maybe how to effectively judge books, see the merit or fail in books. More than just personal likes and dislikes. Uh, okay, so like, is there an objective way to judge a book? Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, are you ready to spin the wheel and see what yes. we talk about first? Wheel of the no-name turn, turn, turn. <laughs> all right, that let's see what we got. That was a terrible spin. Number eight. All right, so this came from Siskicur. 
I don't know how to say the name. That's it. That's the name on Discord. Hopefully, you know who you know. You know who you are. Uh, okay, how to effectively judge books? See the merit uh, in books more than just personal likes and dislikes. So, do we just go? Should we just go? Do okay. we want to set it up any more than that? I- Seven minutes on the clock. Ready, set, go. All right. So, Megan, do you have any actual criteria? That, you know, we could go with something like... That makes like, it like a good book? Yeah, what makes a good book or a bad book? Is it... Because it is so personal, right? Right. It, but I feel like there's got to be something objective. Well, and I have read books that I have not liked that I could acknowledge were really good books. Sure, sure. Been there. Um, The one that comes to mind first is Slaughterhouse-Five, Kurt Vonnegut. Okay, um, that you just didn't care for. I Well, it was I read it and I was like, this... It is such a weird book, but it is so brilliantly written. Like it's basically, I feel like it just basically is this guy talking about his experiences with PTSD, but he uses like, oh, now I am an alien and I'm living up in this zoo <laughs> on a world. And now I'm this guy who's, you know, in Dresden in Germany. And it just like, it, it's very, it's very odd. And at the same time, oh no. Oh, um, that's fine. I'm sorry, I just you, spilled you just water spilled all every, over. Oh, you know what? That's 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 uh, great. That just happened. Okay, pause yeah, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna pause. Timer. Oh man, crisis averted. Woo! Okay, all right, I'm all restarting right. the timer. What were you saying? Something about Kurt Vonnegut? Uh, uh, just that it was brilliantly written. It was really odd, and I. I found the characters like kind of off-putting but i just it made me think and i i understood exactly what he was doing right you just didn't care for it yeah i don't on a personal level right Uh, i I have kind of the opposite where there are things that are kind of not well written okay but that i love anyway anyway. yeah me (laughs) too i'm sure you have things like that uh for me it's aragon okay have you ever read that uh christopher (sighs) paulini no, I started to read the first one and then didn't for some reason. Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, it's and, and to be honest, I've never been able to finish the series. I the I've read the first two books. I think I've read the first three books, and then there's a fourth one. And I've never I've tried twice to get through the fourth book, and I've never managed to do it. It Aww. just like bores me so much that yeah. I can't. Then I get distracted, and anyway, just like that sentence, I can't finish it. <laughs> um, but all the same, that first book or two. I kind of like them. And what, so why is that? Why is it that uh, that those stories are, you know, are not... What what makes Aragon uh, acceptable for me to read, even though it's crappily written? And what makes uh, Slaughterhouse-Five... Classic know, literature. Or, well, yeah, what makes, it, what makes it a great book, even though you don't really care for it? I, I wonder... Okay, well, let's start, actually, let's start at the very most basic level. Okay. Okay. Can you write a sentence? Can you construct a paragraph? Yes. These sorts of things, right? Okay. Uh, and so I bring this up partly because, and if Kyle had made it to this episode, he got he got sick, so he couldn't make it. But yeah. um, uh, Kyle and I read a book one time, or I should say we read the first 10 or 20 pages of a book and couldn't make it past that because and i'm i'm serious when i say that this author and and this was not self-published this went through a small publishing house uh, but the author could not construct 
a decent sentence. And <laughs> they they had paragraphs that were clearly unedited. Oh, no. Where you have the same sentence, basically the, the same concept being told twice in a row, three times in one paragraph. You know, like, it, it just, it was a mess. It was terribly written. And anyway, so I think maybe we would have to get that basic if we wanted to to uh, talk about what objective measures we could use. Is it clearly written in the English language? Okay. Right? Yes. That's a really good start. Um, is there anything beyond that that, you know, after that, is it purely taste? And the interesting wrinkle in something like that would be somebody like Cormac McCarthy or Chuck Palahniuk. Uh, who use very odd sentence structures and very different paragraph structures and it's all used to create a mood and all this stuff. And so it is not quote-unquote well-written. You know, it's not grammatically right. correct. And yet, it's skillfully done. I don't know. Mm. More thoughts from you? What do you think? Um, I think, it, it, I think to be well-written, it has to be something that helps to, or maybe, I don't know. Wow, still not finishing a sentence. Um, I don't know, Craig. I have nothing else. No, that's fine. I think it is really <laughs> difficult. No, that's fine. Because <laughs> it is because it is such a subjective yeah. topic. Yeah. I don't know that we're gonna be able to come up with anything objective beyond is it written clearly. I know. I just I, I keep thinking of examples of books that are like that are classics that a lot of people love that I just hate. Like Wuthering Heights. I have never been able to finish that book. Really? I started it multiple times. Maybe that's one that I'm gonna have to listen to on audiobook because yeah. I just I get a quarter of the way through and I just hate everybody and I find it dull. Okay. And then what's the other one? Oh Tess of the Durbervilles. I actually threw that one across the room. Did you really? Yeah. I was it, so mad. I was mad because What were you mad at the plot or I was, something? Yeah, I was mad because of the choices that the characters were making and how completely helpless the heroine was yeah. the entire book. I don't know if you've read that one, but it I just haven't. made me very angry. No. All right. Well, how do you feel? Feel like we're good on this one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We got a minute to spare. I'm fine with it, honestly. So minute to spare on that topic. I don't know. There's just really not much more to it than it's no. all subjective. I, I would love to hear our readers' thoughts, though. No, that's if true. If they wanted to join in yeah, on Reddit. Reddit or Discord. Or um, and let us know what you think. And But the trick is, everybody will have their version of what needs to happen. And maybe yeah. we could have gone that route uh, of what, you know, what makes a great book to you. But that wasn't the question. The question is... Right more than just personal likes and dislikes. But it's, it could be one of those things where it's like, did the writer achieve their purpose for this novel? Did they have some greater thing in mind? Right. I don't know. I, but if you take something like Slaughterhouse-Five and compare it to Harry Potter, which I also think is great literature, but that could just be my personal likes. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, I, I think we're ready to spin the wheel again. Let's do it. Round and around it goes. Number four. four. All right. And that is Colonel Rabbit, who uh, <laughs> wants us to talk about overused tropes and stereotypes and examples of them done well and poorly. Uh, boy, this is going to be... All right, starting the timer. This is going to be one of those topics where we decided not to put any thought into this beforehand, uh -huh. you know, just for fun to see what our thoughts were right off the cuff. 
But this is one, and honestly, with the last question as well, if I were to put a lot of thought into it mm -hmm. and come up with some great examples, then I feel like I might be more interesting. But let's see what we can come up with. All right. So let's go with Harry Potter, okay? Okay. And just kind of run through some of the tropes that we find because Harry Potter uses a lot of common tropes that we see throughout other oh, absolutely. Uh, stories, right? And she does it really, really well, which I appreciate. But uh, it's it's a continuation of what I think a lot of fantasy fiction novels do. And even, yeah, technically Star Wars is a fantasy. But um, yeah, yeah. less of a sci-fi than a fantasy. But uh, it's the King Arthur legend where they have a lot of the same types of characters. So you have, you know, the boy who would be king or the chosen one. You yeah. have the Gandalf Merlin character. You have the best friend, Sir Galahad. You have, you know, just all of these uh -huh. um that you know, and now they're going to go on a quest, and now like they literally go Who, to find a golden cup. Who's our Guinevere? Ooh. And uh, we, wow. we just don't have one. That's fine. Mm. Um, okay, so yeah, we have magic objects. We have the Dark Lord. There's a prophecy. Uh -huh. There's the the idea of you know neither can live while the other survives. Yep. is very common. And they literally kill each other at the end. Yeah. Sorry, spoilers. Sort sort of literally. Sort of. You know what? That's a sore spot for me, but we'd have I know, to come back to that. But they have a similar thing in Star Wars where, again, you have the boy who would be king and you have his best friend who's like, you know, a loose cannon knight who's not magical. And then you have the magical Ben Kenobi who guides him <laughs> along his path. Yeah. Hey, so which of these do you... I don't have a problem with it. I just, it's used a lot. No, totally. Uh, but there's a reason it's used a lot, mm -hmm. right? Do you actually like these tropes or do you prefer it when a story tries to avoid those common kind of hero's journey tropes? The hero with a thousand faces stuff. Uh, I tend to like it personally um, a little bit because it can be familiar and give me certain touch points within a story, especially if it's a really large story. Like yeah. right now I'm reading Wheel of Time. Oh, and uh, Where are you at? Uh, I just finished book seven. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm halfway through. Wow. Um, and I'm liking it, but I'm only halfway through. Yeah. Um, Pace yourself. Anyway, no. sorry. Go on. No, it's all right. Uh, but it gives me, you know, a couple of touch points and I also somebody to identify with where in my mind, I'm the best friend. So it's like I watch the. You're the sidekick. I'm not Han Solo, but whatever. Um, but yeah, You're I'm the Chewbacca. Ron Weasley. I'm <laughs> Samwise Gamgee. I'm Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> like who's there to support and stuff while other people do amazing but you know it just it helps to get me into the world a little bit easier because yeah, yeah. i know what to expect especially because in a lot of fantasy um stories they take place in a fantastical world that i may or may not be able to identify with right i actually like the best friend trope quite a lot me too partly because i think there, there are two types of protagonists, main mm -hmm. protagonists. You've got the Harry Potters, mm -hmm. uh, and you've got the Frodo slash Aragorn, and those are they're they're different, but I'm lumping them together for a specific reason, uh, because we've talked about this in the past. How Harry Potter is a, a kind of an empty vessel. Right. He's not he's not <laughs> a terribly interesting character on his own. It's true. He's surrounded by a lot of interesting characters, but the idea there is you can pour yourself into that character, right? Um, and then on the other hand, you have somebody like Frodo or Aragorn, also protagonists, but very strong and definite personalities. They have, okay. they have their, they are their own characters, right? Mm -hmm. I don't see myself in 
Frodo. I don't see myself in Aragorn, at least not much, you know. Yeah. Um, but the <laughs> but in those stories, especially, the best friend trope is much appreciated because that can be uh, a viewpoint that we can use to see the main character and to understand right. the main character. Well, and then there's the person that kind of un who helps to explain what's going on in that world or everybody's explaining to them how things are working. I think about the West Wing. Yeah. Like I, the West Wing is filled with characters who are very intelligent people. And then you have Donna, who's like the assistant who's like, I, I don't understand. What are you talking about here? And so they'll all explain it to her. Right. And I just think, hooray, because I don't understand politics either. So Donna is my <laughs> person standing in for me. Yeah, it turns out neither does the guy who wrote the West Wing. What's his name? Uh, Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin, that's right. Yeah, I just made a bunch <laughs> of enemies, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. Uh, okay, so other tropes that we want to talk about. Magical objects. Do you like, you know, so in, in Harry Potter, it would be the Horcruxes. Mm -hmm. hor Horcruxes? Horcruxes? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or you've got the One Ring, or you've got, you know, take, pick a fantasy novel. Oftentimes, there is a magical object. Do you like it? Like the magical object that they go searching for? Yeah. Yeah, the... the the glowing MacGuffin. I actually quite like it. Okay. I, I because it is a great storytelling device. You know, you got to go on a quest. Well, why? What for? You know, yeah. there's got to be a thing, right? That's so they true. There go has on, to be an endpoint. And it's it's preferable. I prefer a magical object to a person most of the time. I think it can be done well when yeah. it's a person, but a lot of times you get uh, the the damsel in distress scenario, and that's uh, maybe less interesting. Uh, but right. also with magical objects, more maybe more than people, you can be really creative and inventive with them. And mm -hmm. so I'm thinking of one of my favorite magical objects of all time, the Sword of Shannara, which is Terry Brooks's novel from 1977. Okay. And the, the characters go on this quest and they have to get this sword that will destroy the evil warlock lord. And the way that it does that is the sword is imbued with truth. And anybody who touches it is faced with the truth of who they really are. Oh. And so if you touch it or if you're struck by the sword or whatever, then it's not that it's it's not going to slice you and dice you. The point is that if you can't handle who you really are, the truth about yourself, it will destroy. It'll consume you from within. You know, like, I, you know that kind of thing. Like That is really cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it is. I think that's a really good idea. Uh-oh. Oh. Well, I thought it was a really good idea. But we already talked right. about that in episode like 50-something. I don't know. We talked about the Sword of Shannara a while ago. All right. We ready <laughs> to spin again? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. All right. We've done eight and four. And spinning, spinning. Number two. Number two. All right. Uh, this is another Colonel Rabbit. Wow. It's a, it's a rabbit-heavy episode here. So Colonel Rabbit asks... <laughs> Fantasy speed dating, give a 30 to 60 second description of a book to try to convince people to read it. Uh, so, okay, and now I got to start my timer again. No. Uh, now, here's what I want to do. I okay. want to, I, I want you to close your eyes and vamp into the microphone for a second, but I'm going to go over to the bookshelf. I'm going to pick a book that I'm pretty sure you've read and then ask you to elevator pitch it. In 30 to 60 seconds, okay? Ooh, okay. So it, now, I mean, I have read a lot of books. Uh, it, well, that's good. 
So Megan is holding in her hand Ready Player One. Yes. Have you read Ready Player One? Yes, I have. Okay, so I want you to, well, Colonel Rabbit wants you to... Oh, Colonel Rabbit. Give us a description of this book that would try to convince people to read it. Okay, you... ready, set, go. All right, this is a book. If you are someone who has always wanted to live in a video game, this is the book for you. In this book, we have a man who lives in a future dystopian, well, teenager who lives in a future dystopian world um, where real life sucks. So everybody spends all their time on the internet playing the game. And uh, one day the uh, creator of the game um, starts off. This is hard, isn't it? It's really hard. (laughs) (laughs) Starts off a quest. I don't know. A game that everybody can play so that the... They have to get a certain amount of keys, and at the end, whoever wins gets to be the leader of the, the game. Ruler I'm of really the game. good at this. Yeah. The ruler of the game. The end. But, but it's also the president of the company. You get billions of dollars. Right. And... and your part of the world doesn't suck as much as the rest of it. There you go. Okay. And so our plucky hero must band together with a bunch of other people who he's never met in person and may or may not be what he thought he was right in order to win the game. Okay. Does he win? I don't know. Read it. Find out. <laughs> or go watch the movie, but it's not as good. If I if I were to pitch Ready Player One, I'd probably say this is every quest story that you've ever read. Yeah. <laughs> but the difference is that it's in a computer simulation in the future instead of kind of sword and sorcery past. Yeah. Even though it does creatively involve a little bit of that too. So. So remind me, in Ready Player One, do they... Like if they get, if their avatar gets punched in the face, do they feel like they were punched in the face? No. Okay. Although they can buy suits so that if they get hit, they, you know, it'll, it'll make them feel it. Yeah. But why they would do that remains a mystery. They do have to maintain their bodies outside of the game. Okay. So I'm going to turn slightly away. I want you to go to the bookshelf and pick a book uh, that I will choose, that, that I will have to pitch to a new reader something for them to read. What I'm really hoping you don't pick is something I haven't read like Dresden or Dune. Uh, those are on my TBR pile, but uh, but I have read most of what's over there on those shelves. So it looks out of the corner of my eye, it looks like you have picked a book and I'm nervous because you're not sure whether you should give it to me. Oh no. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. I know you've read this. Um, This is... H.P. Lovecraft, the complete fiction. So all of Lovecraft's fiction bound together. This is one of those Barnes and Noble copies. Uh, they kind of do those pretty hardbound books that you can buy. So this includes The Call of Cthulhu, The Mountains of Madden, At the Mountains of Madness, The Dunwich Horror, and The Color Out of Space, and many more. Okay. Sorry, that's not one story for you to recap. That's okay. So. No, but I... And it's not like I would hand somebody this book and say, you need to read the whole thing because this is uh, well over a thousand pages of pretty small print, right? There's He was a yeah. prolific author. Now, there has been some debate on our Discord server about H.P. Lovecraft and whether he's worth reading these days <gasps> uh, because the man was well, quite the racist. Oh, and I didn't know that. that sort of bleeds through into his writing. Uh, but I would actually still argue that he's worth being read, uh, not, not, not 
so that you can soak up all the delightful racism, (laughs) (laughs) but because it is an important historical artifact in English literature. In this case, I think he was American. I'm not actually sure about that. I I was introduced to Lovecraft through an American history literature class. So, yeah, I I think he is important. It it would be a bit like reading if you say, I want to understand fantasy. I want to understand horror. I want to understand American literature of the 20th century. You can't do that without reading certain authors, at Mm -hmm. least a little bit. You Mm -hmm. don't have to read everything. Thing he ever wrote, but you need to familiarize yourself with these people if you want to understand the history of these things. And I think it's a worthwhile subject to pursue, understanding where we got these tropes that we talked yeah. about earlier and where we where we got some of these stories. Yeah. And so H.P. Lovecraft fits that bill. And I would actually, so if I handed somebody this book, I would say <laughs> read a maximum of three of these stories because once you've hit three of them all the other ones are going to be pretty recycly yeah so uh, it's true but it's it's interesting how every once in a while a lovecraft something from a lovecraft story will pop up in pop culture like isn't there a metallica song called the call of cthulhu yeah yeah yeah. there's there's Uh, another one based on lovecraft but uh it's neither here nor there okay anyway uh but it's it's similar to for me it's similar to saying you know I love rock and roll, but eh, I don't really care about the Beatles. And now I've never really listened to them. Well, that's to me, that's unacceptable. Right. It's not that you have to love the Beatles, but you need to you need to be familiar with their greatest hits, at least. It's right. All their number one hits. And uh, H.P. Lovecraft is not not in Beatles territory (laughs) necessarily, but he is an important part of the landscape of uh, horror and American literature more generally. Plus, then you get all the memes. There's a ton of great memes involving <laughs> so Tulu and all that stuff. So gotta gotta get all of those. So I don't know. How did I do? I think you did a good job. Yeah. I I think it's more of a niche story. Yeah, it's oh okay, well there you go. I guess we're done there. So right. yeah. HP Lovecraft, go for it. I know he's a, a horrible racist, but uh, he could write a story. Shadow over Innsmouth haunts me to this day. Oh yeah? I had to read that at three o'clock in the afternoon, and I was still terrified. I made the mistake of starting with At the Mountains of Madness, which is one of his longest stories, if oh. it's not his absolute longest. And I don't think he was <laughs> quite built to write long form. Okay. He's a short story writer, yeah. and this one was, you know, 100 pages or something. It's definitely not a short story. It's no. more like a novella. And I don't, I don't think he could quite maintain a story for that length of time. Okay. All right. Well, that's our three topics. How are you feeling? Do we need a bonus one or do you feel like we've uh, we've spun the wheel enough? Let's do a I, I could go either let's, way. You want to do a bonus let's, let's do one more. But we're going to do a bonus topic, but this time we're going to set the timer for uh, three minutes. Oh, no. A three-minute timer. Here's our bonus round. Go ahead and spin the wheel. Okay, I've got my timer ready. And it is stopping on five. number five. So help me if this is Colonel Rabbit, I'm going to lose my mind. It's not. It's QWERTY. Uh, QWERTY, U-I-O-P. Just right at the top row of the keyboard, right? You know who you are. Yeah, you know who you are. Favorite antagonists. Three minutes, go. Your favorite antagonist. Wait, remind me what an It's the bad guy? Yeah. Um, uh, You go first. Okay, my favorite antagonist is Sauron. Oh, well, yes. Okay. Sorry. I know it's lame. No, that's a good one. I get it. 
but I love <laughs> the fact that Tolkien was able to create a villain that you never see on screen, so to speak, at least in the main story. That's true. And and yet make him interesting and terrifying and all of that. So yeah, well done in yep. that case. No, that is absolutely true. Um, uh, I so if we're going with like someone you love to hate, yeah. I'd go with like Professor Umbridge from Harry Potter. Ooh, nice one. Because she is so punchable. Um, but I am one who definitely likes a really good uh, antagonist. Because if you don't, if you don't feel um menaced by the bad guy you definitely don't care about the good guy because like nah stakes aren't that high right uh i've always thought darth vader was an amazing antagonist he's an interesting one to in me. the in in like in the first in the in a new hope especially like yeah. he's just really i mean you don't really know what he stands for you just right. know he's evil well that's uh, that's he's an interesting one to me because he's so he's not necessarily the big baddie Right? In the first Star Wars yeah. movie, he's a lapdog. He's he's the pet of Grand Moff Tarkin, who is the real bad guy. But also, he's kind of a wild card. No, totally. No, I think he is great, but he's just his he's role. He's not the his, villain. It's his true. role is slightly unexpected. Well, it's funny because they do the same thing with Darth Maul in Episode One, yeah. where he was supposed to be this really cool villain, and then he wasn't. He was a cool fighter. The fights were cool. So my other favorite antagonist would probably be oh and this is tough my favorite antagonist on tv was hank from breaking bad did you ever watch breaking bad no oh man i know so it's breaking bad is really tricky because the protagonist is the bad guy right and the antagonist is the good guy Oh, but anyway, so the antagonist is Hank, but he's the he's the F uh, not FBI. He's the DEA agent who's the brother in law of the protagonist and he's on his trail and all this stuff. And it's all twisty and turny. Okay, great show. You really need to watch that (laughs) show anyway. But he's when we start the show, we like Walt, the protagonist who turns out to be the bad guy. Right. Right. But we like him. He's likable and he's interesting. Uh, but then we realize pretty quickly, oh, no, he's a terrible, terrible human being. Uh, but Hank is kind of the opposite, where he's this kind of douchey bro character. But then as the series progresses, we become more and more enamored with him. And he's more oh. interesting and likable and sympathetic. Oh, there you go. There's three minutes. All right. Anyway, so he might be my favorite antagonist, but in a twisty way. Hmm. There you go. He's a hero antagonist. <laughs> and hero tag. No, I'm terrible at this game. A herodagonist? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> English majors are There nerdy. we go. All right. So hopefully I, that was fun. You know what, I Megan? Yeah, I can hang out with you. That's We've established okay, that that's possible. Okay, good. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, don't forget to join the Discord community. Join the Reddit community so that you can send us more ideas. Uh, we're going to keep the ones that we didn't use today. We'll keep those. and uh, They have plenty more that we didn't even write down here. Oh, yeah. We've got a ton. So, But keep them coming, and we'll do more episodes like this. And uh, it'll be a revolving cast of characters as well as a revolving wheel of mayhem. And did I just name it? I don't think so. I don't know. That's not a very good name. I still like Wheel of Eternity, but I know I'm stealing that from Animaniacs. So, I don't, I don't mind stealing from that one. That's a good one. I love Animaniacs. Yeah. All right. So... Join us in those communities. If you enjoy what we do, go to patreon.com slash legendarium and support the show. Anything I'm missing, Megan? 
No? I don't think so. All right. We'll see you guys later. would be troublesome i know um oh gosh all right should we do this thing sure it's gonna be fun it's gonna be great it is gonna be fun i'm just uh i'm already having fun i'm sorry what were you gonna say i don't know i don't (laughs) care who cares let's start we're tired all right let's do it